ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to This Week in Worthless Knowledge. My name is Shiny Goodtimes. And I am Nat the Truth Jones. Well, last night, my wife and I had a rare date night. And we got to dinner, and we got this nice little Italian place, really old school place called Mr. Martino's. That's wonderful. Yeah, down in South Philly. And it's just a really nice, like a, it's like a husband and wife team run the restaurant. Just a really nice BYO to go and, you know, just have a romantic night together. And then uh, toward the end of the meal, dude walks in with a couple ladies, and he sits down, and he's wearing his hat backwards. Okay. And needless to say, because I'm not a pathetic slob, right? I was offended by the behavior. And if I had had my druthers, I would have been legally allowed to roundhouse kick him to the back of the head. So the behavior you're referring to is that he came in with a baseball hat on backwards. And continued to wear it during his meal. So let me ask you something. Uh-huh. So this really bothered you? Yeah. Because you're not a pathetic slob? Correct. Would it have bothered you if it was on the other way? Uh, it would have bothered me, but not quite as much. Give me give me a, like a little bit of perspective on, on how much it actually bothered you. The city would be a little bit better if there were you know roving gangs of toughs who took out people who behaved in such a fashion. So what's your issue exactly? It's just completely uncivilized. Uncivilized? Yeah. To wear a hat backwards in a restaurant? Correct. But like wearing it forwards wouldn't have been that big a deal? Uh, no, it's a big deal. I mean, wearing it forward is sloppy too. I'm trying to figure out like if this is like he wore a hat indoors and that bothered you or if it was specifically that the hat was on backwards that really struck such a nasty chord with you. You don't wear a hat when you dine. Like if you want to wear a hat backwards at McDonald's, go for it. But when you go out to dinner, you don't wear a hat backwards unless you're a slob. I mean, you know, if you went out to like a nice dinner and you wore sweatpants, I mean, it's the same thing. Or if you went to a urology conference. You went to a urology conference. Wearing sweatpants. Yeah, that's not so much slobbishness, though. It's uh, brazen. Well, that was pragmatic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, how else were they going to know how this stuff worked? So um, I got a feeling we're going to be calling back that episode pretty much every show from now. I want to get back to you just becoming the moral compass of the world, basically. Uh This guy ruined it for you. More or less. Yeah. Huh. So do you think women should be able to wear pants? Excuse me? Do you think women should be able to wear pants in public? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. You're okay with that? All right, let's start with April 18th, 796 A.D. King Ethelred I of Northumbria, which is an area that's kind of between, like sort of in that nether region between like England and Scotland now. What year was this? 796. This is more your wheelhouse. I'm an expert of the late 8th century. Murdered in Corbridge by a group led by his eldermen, Eldred and Wada. All right, so I don't have a lot on King Ethelred. I mean, I was reading about it. And I got into something that really kind of stirred me up a little bit. And I think we could have some, uh, we can have some, a little bit of fun discussing this. Okay. A few years before he died in 793, the first major Viking attack occurred in Northumbria. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Now, this is a book that it really gives us a ton of information we have about that era in like England and Wales and stuff. Can you imagine having to deal with a Viking attack? Oh, no. God, no. Like around 800 AD or whatever? You're hanging out and all of a sudden these ships filled with guys with horned helmets and swords and axes are coming onto the beach to kill you all and steal your worldly goods? The the sanctity of human life wasn't something they really firmly believed in. All right, so go ahead. Viking attack would be sketchy. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle states, quote, in this year... 
dire forewarnings came over the land of Northumbrians and miserably terrified the people. These were excessive whirlwinds and lightnings. Sure. And fiery dragons were seen flying in the air. Wow. So on top of the Viking attack, they're dealing with unexplained weather phenomenon as well as a couple dragons. That's where I kind of have to draw the line a little bit with whoever's writing in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle in the late 800s. Because I feel like I'm wondering what their angle is in lying. Let's be honest. Fiery dragons were not seen in the air, right? No, they weren't. But they might have thought they saw them. Right. But like that, that's that's the kind of the weird thing I want to get into is that dragons and, and we you know, also because um, Game of Thrones is getting ready to start back. And, you know, people are obviously very into dragons for that, too. And dragons, what, the thing that's kind of interesting to me about them is that the West, Europe came up with this like idea idea of a dragon. China and Japan came up with the idea of a dragon completely independently of each other. And. Dragons don't exist. So how did both cultures end up? They're a little bit different. Like the European one is like the one with wings and the Chinese one's more of like a serpent. Well, there are serpents. I mean, there's lizards out there uh, that eat like deer, aren't there? Like the chupacabra? Komodo dragons. Maybe they aren't quite that big. There's lizards that you wouldn't want to encounter. No, personally, not not I. <laughs> Personally, not you, no. The first known instance of a fire-breathing dragon was in the Epic of Gilgamesh, written in Mesopotamia around 2100 BC. All right, so I'll, I'll make it short and sweet. Gilgamesh and his buddy are on this epic quest, and they come upon this mountain where a dragon named Humbaba lives. It had a name. Yeah, yeah, Humbaba. So Gilgamesh wants to fight the dragon, but his buddy Enkidu does not. So Gilgamesh says, as for mankind, numbered are their days. Whatever they achieve is but the wind. Should I fall, I shall have made me a name. Gilgamesh, they will say, against fierce Huawa has fallen long after my offspring has been born in my house. Leads to the question, if you were going to be granted immortality, more or less, they were going to say the name Nat the Truth Jones for centuries. I mean, they still say Gilgamesh now. If you had this chance of immortality, would you fight a dragon? And when you say immortality, you don't mean actual immortality. Passed down. Like, your kids could not possibly be prouder to have you as a father. When you mean immortality, what you mean essentially is Nat got killed by that dragon. Yeah. I mean, it's really an amazing way to die that people are going to talk about for a long time. Like, I remember when you were younger... And you were a bit angrier back then, and at times a bit almost forlorn. Right. I remember you once told me that the way you wanted to go was being like on top of a building and being struck by lightning and then like toppling down in front of a large crowd. I, <laughs> I don't remember that. For a change, I'm not disputing your version of events at all because I could totally see myself <laughs> saying that. And that does actually sound like a pretty great way to go. Yeah. I guess if I were alive back then, and you said this was like 2000 BC, yeah, sure, I'd fight the dragon because life back then was miserable. Well, Mesopotamia was pretty advanced. <laughs> life 4,000 years ago? Are you kidding me? Think about how terrible being alive back then would have been. Here's the deal being alive in 796 when Ethelred, the first of Northumbria, was murdered was worse than being alive in 2100 BC in Mesopotamia, probably. That would have been terrible, too. It would have been worse. I think that back then, it's like you're playing with house money. You, you go for it. If you have a chance to fight a dragon or a sea monster or a giant or something, you go for it because why not? 
I mean, if you don't do it, what are you going to do? You're just going to go to your miserable life where, like, you could get the plague the next day anyway. You're going to have to bury, like, 12 of your 14 children. Here's what's crazy is that being alive 4,000 years ago, better than being alive 600 years ago. In many ways, in many places, you're right. But I think it would be pretty terrible. You around that same time was pretty freaking modern. Yeah. Really? 4,000 yeah. years ago? Yeah. Pretty modern? Oh, totally modern. Modern in what way exactly? Well, I mean, modern in like thought and construction of the cities and all that stuff. Modern for 4,000 years? They had like cities. They had like, have you, have you seen like the old Greek cities? Like they were, they were constructed, like had had somewhat modern roads. Like it's not like the middle ages where people were like, you know, eating each other. I'll bet people ate each other 4,000 years ago. We need to get some sort of historian on here. You mean other than us? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, not a, a fake historian. Oh, because I, mean, I was going to say, because we have two of those. Uh, right. We need somebody that's legit, because I feel really confident that I'm right about this. That it was and just... Greece was a much better place to live than England in the Middle Ages. But I'm not arguing with you on that. I think I agree with you. What I'm saying to you is they both would have sucked. You, you think it would have just been like all bliss living 4,000 years ago? No, not bliss. I'm just saying it would have been better than living... 600 years ago. I think it would have been terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And there were dragons. Let's move to April 19th. Suge Knight was born. Oh, wow. Good for you. Well played. Yeah. Okay, so if Suge Knight approached you... <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I would lock the doors... If I was in my car or my home and just crouched down against the wall and I'm not a religious no, man, no. but I would probably be praying a decent amount that he would leave. <laughs> in this hypothetical. I mean, if you said to me, if you said to me, hey, Nat, who are the 10 guys on the planet that you would least want to have, quote unquote, approach you, as you've <laughs> said, Suge Knight would definitely be in the top 10 because nothing good's going to come out of that. He's not trying to sign me to a rap deal. The only other possible thing he could be doing is extort me or kill me. And I'm not down with either of those things. Here's a question. Would you rather have Suge Knight approach you or run into a dragon? I'd say the dragon. The dragon, the dragon might be more scared of me than I am of it, hypothetically. Suge Knight's not scared of me at all. more scared of you than you are of him. Go ahead. If Suge Knight approached me. <laughs> You've actually put a lot of thought into Suge Knight approaching you. As people that have evolved over thousands and thousands of years, we kind of have spider sense kind of built in when we sense danger. And I, I'm pretty sure if he came within five miles, my spider sense would be going crazy. Like, there is danger afoot. Right. So Suge Knight approached you. Right. At the club. I'm assuming I can't get away. Right. You're at the club. You're drinking some champagne. You're having a good time with your boys. Suge Knight starts to approach and you're like, Are you oh. at the club with me? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm not there at this time. I'm like at, in the bathroom. I was going to say, because if you were with me, you would, I'm sure, defend me. <laughs> yeah, of course. So Suge Knight approaches and he says that he thinks that you're really a promising teacher. Okay. And that he wants to take control of your career. Right. Like he wants to find you the perfect teaching gig. He's branching out from his usual hustles and now he's really all in on the education game. Right. And he also thinks that, you know, he wants you, he wants to get you back up and coaching like a girls basketball team. Suge Knight's been following my career closer than I thought he was. And so he's basically said, Nat, I, I pretty much want to take this from here. Uh -huh. How do you deal with that? Because 
It's not like you can just say no. No, you can't say no. You're done. I mean, your life's over at that point. Or, I mean, the guys made some people rich. Mm -hmm. Well, it used to be. I mean, now they're all in jail. Or or dead. Right, or dead. But what... Go on. <laughs> how, how do you react when Suge Knight approaches and said he wants to take control of your career? And B, how mad is your wife going to be when you get home? When she finds out that I've introduced Suge Knight into our fairly uneventful residential existence? <laughs> Correct. It's like, here's the deal. I'm having a friend over for dinner. Who is it? Oh, nobody. Nobody. Yeah, uh, Suge Knight, uh, you know, head of Death Row Records. You remember he he, he uh, ran into a guy with his truck recently, I think. Yeah. You remember Tupac was with him the night he got shot. Right, right. And uh, he dangled vanilla ice over a balcony by his ankles. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he's coming over and he really loves ribs. So I was hoping you could make some ribs up. I remember having him over just because I wanted him to get to know the family. He, he's interested in taking control of my career. This could be a real boon for my career. I mean, how mad is your wife going to be? How mad is she going to be? She's going to be furious. She's <laughs> she's going to be livid. And and you said, how would I react to it? I mean, I would I would be real polite to him. Sure. And I would probably agree to whatever he was suggesting. But then I would really go hardcore into thinking, how can I disappear? <laughs> I would be immediately like I'd be trying to acquire a fake identity and new social security cards and passports and stuff. Right. I would be looking to relocate, let's just say. No, you guys just bought a new house. Oh, I would move somewhere else. I don't even want to get into the hassle. Me running into Suge Knight would definitely be a hassle. You're right. Hassle is the right word for it. Also, all right, here's another one for you. What does running into Suge Knight at a club and then him him expressing genuine desire to become intimately involved with your career, what does that do for your life expectancy? Well, here's the problem. The problem is Suge Knight just came up to me in a club and says he wants to take over my career. That's the problem. Right. No, but the problem is that you're currently not working. No. He's either going to take over your career and then get a cut of everything you make as a teacher. He's going to put me to work. Right. Or you're going to continue to be unemployed. And, you know, you can't draw blood from a turnip. No, you can't. And so he's going to have some real issues with you. It'd be one thing if you went, if, if he offered, if he wanted you to work, you know, at one school and it was just more convenient com- for the commute for you to work at another school. You know, because you could pick your kids up from daycare. And you explain that to him. I think Suge would be disappointed, but I think he would say, all right, well, I'll tell you what. You just give me 20% of everything you make at the new school. For the rest of your life. let bygones be bygones. Yeah, I'd give it to him. Right, and that would and that'd be, and that'd be fine. But, but the problem is you don't have a job. No, but I'd sure get one if Suge told me to. Yeah, you'd have to. That's what I'm saying. Like, this whole be-at-home dad thing would have to end if Suge Knight approached you. And- you understand that if Suge Knight approached me for this then he would become involved in our podcast like you'd be in too well the, yeah but the podcast doesn't ge- generate any money even though i mean maybe Shug i have a crazy feeling that if suge knight somehow became involved in our podcast that our listenership if nothing else would go up dramatically yeah well the first week but then like after that it'd be like the people like suge knight's crew would not be at all amused with the style of show that we do. Dude, that's my what I'm saying. It, it would change completely. It would become a completely different podcast. We would become mouthpieces for Suge Knight. Is that really what you want to do? 
Sure, yeah. So you're interested in doing business with Suge. Right. Yeah. Well, not business. I mean, it's a hobby. Okay. I want to be involved in some of the same hobbies that Suge. Okay. Well, if he's listening, that's a, I'd say that's an open invite coming from you. One more thing. All right, close it out. Who would you rather let babysit your kids? Suge Knight or O.J. Simpson? I think you're going to say Suge Knight or a dragon. <laughs> Suge Knight or O.J. Simpson? Who's more responsible as far as like watching your kids? It's tough, That's right? Tough. It's yeah, tough, I mean, right? OJ raised kids. He did. You know. Suge probably has kids. Probably. Yeah, I guess I'd have to go with Suge. Well, I don't know. That's tough. Not as easy as you think. Suge would probably have an entourage with him while he was watching your kids. Yes, that's the good news. I mean, there'd be lots of eyeballs. Let's move on. April 20th, 1939. Adolf Hitler had a huge party for his 50th birthday. I'll bet that was a bash. Oh, man. It was the largest military parade in, in Nazi history. We went right from Suge Knight to Adolf Hitler. We're going hard this week. This is one of our more gangster episodes. So big Nazi parade. Big Nazi parade. Huge party. Gifts pouring in from all over the world. What kind of stuff did he get? At midnight, Hitler's courtiers congratulated him and presented him with gifts, including statues, bronze casts, Messen porcelain, oil paintings, tapestries, rare coins, antique weapons, and a mass of other presents, many of them kitsch. Hitler admired some, made fun of others, and ignored most. Man, oh man. There's a lot to attack here. If you're giving something kitschy to Adolf Hitler, like from Spencer's Gifts or something, you know those fish that you can put on the wall, but they sing? Right, yeah, like the, like the, the straight bass. Yeah, yeah, they sing like Mac the Knife or something. Right, yeah. That's kitschy. Yeah. Or like, or like you give him a tin that's like, um, it's a cookie tin. Then he opens it and like this like, like coiled up fake snake pops out. Right, let's imagine you're at Hitler's birthday. Right, the, 50th. The guy before, right, 50th. The guy before you gives him an oil painting. <laughs> let's say, let's say, you know, let's say maybe it's, maybe it's an original Raphael or something because yeah. Lord knows that, you know, there's a lot of looting going on and stuff. Sure. If someone gives him an oil painting, if someone else gives him a solid bronze bust of his, right, of like, of like, you know, the Julius Caesar. Why not? Someone else maybe gives him maybe a Gutenberg Bible. Right. And then you come up and you present him with like an I'm with stupid shirt. <laughs> And you give it to Ava Braun or something. Be like, look, isn't that great? You can wear that next to Hitler. Look, he's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> How funny he's... is that? And you give him a matching shirt, but the arrow points the other way. Those crazy kids would probably love a gag gift you like that. You get one for Hitler, and you get one for, like, Erman Gehring. Maybe you give him, like, like, a whoopee cushion or an exploding golf ball or something like that. Or an ice cube with a fly in it. Right, yeah, but it's really plastic. I think there's a lot of places you can go with getting a kitschy gift for Hitler. Yeah, sure. The joke better go over. Oh, man, the joke better go over. Like, that's a lot of pressure on a kitschy gift. A kitschy gift is always kind of going out on a limb. You really got to know the person. Which begs the question, how'd you get invited to this thing? So, like, you work on the staff. You're doing this to get noticed. You're like, oh, everyone else is going to give him a priceless piece of art. So I want to be, like, the secretary... That he thinks has really got a good sense of I'm going to be the fun secretary. That's right, yeah, to Hitler. Now, here's the other thing. Hitler admired some, made fun of others, and ignored most. Now, how mad are you if you got him, like, a very rare coin, and he doesn't even open the gift? Would you rather he made fun of it or ignored it? See, that's the thing. We don't know what kind of mood he was in. Like, Well, he's probably in a jovial mood. It was his 50th birthday. Biggest Nazi parade ever. Right. I would think he was in a good mood and, like, when it says, like, made fun of others, it was in a lighthearted spirit, not 
mocking the person in public to humiliate them and then letting them know that he's going to have them killed the next day. But Hitler, if he's in a good mood, you know, he's very nudging someone in the ribs. This guy. Huh? Right, right, you right. believe it? This guy giving me this painting? I got three of these. Yeah. Ah, he gives you a noogie. April 23rd, 1989, wine merchant William Sokolin breaks a bottle of 1787 Chateau Margaux wine, possibly belonging to Thomas Jefferson, worth an estimated $500,000, at the Four Seasons restaurant in New York. So this guy was at a $250 plate dinner, and he actually went home and got this bottle of wine from his apartment and started showing it around to people. And for some reason, he really, really really wanted to show it to. You have any idea who he really wanted to show it to? No. Rusty Staub. What? The pitcher? Well, he wasn't a pitcher, but he was a baseball player. That's like the Mets, right? Yeah, Rusty Staub. He really wanted to show this bottle of wine to Rusty Staub. Well, sure. Well, I mean, as anyone would. Yeah. And so anyway, he was on his way over to Rusty Staub's table. I mean, he's just carrying this thing around. Just carrying it around. Anyway, he bumped it and it shattered. So he did get 225000 in insurance for it. Also, by the way, have you ever read the book Billionaire's Vinegar? Uh, no. You should read it. Seriously. Great book about wine fraud, basically. I happen to know a little bit about this supposed Thomas Jefferson collection. Almost certainly all fraudulent, by the way. But anyway, it was worth tons and tons of money. And this guy just broke it, being a klutz, trying to show it to Rusty Staub. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I've screwed up trying to show something valuable to Rusty Staub, I'd be a rich oh, man. man. Anyway, so my first question is, if you broke a $500,000 bottle of wine, let's assume it didn't belong to you, would you try to act like it wasn't you? <laughs> it was, which makes it a little bit less funny. Let's say you came home one night, you told your wife, that because Suge Knight had made some really wise investments, he was so proud of the teaching job you did this year that he gave you a $500,000 bottle of wine. Which was possibly owned by Thomas Jefferson, because Suge Knight's a huge Thomas Jefferson fan. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's anybody that loves the Declaration of Independence. And Monticello. Yeah. And the University of Virginia. Sure. Suge Knight's giving you this Thomas Jefferson's wine. You bring it home to your wife. Suge Knight is popping up in my life just a lot more recently than he had been. I'd gone 38 years without having anything to do with him. Now he's involved in every business dealing that I have. He's presenting me with expensive gifts. Yeah. Babysitting my kids. Now, if I had a $500,000 bottle of wine, the problem for me is that whenever I get something nice, all I do is spend my time being paranoid about the nice thing. Having nice things is terrible for me. Right. Like, all I do is spend my time scared. Am I going to break this? Am I going to lose it? I'm going to do something dumb in the most humiliating way possible. Break the bottle. Like, I would have been, like, convinced if I had a $500,000 bottle of wine sitting down here in the basement with me. Right. Which, by the way, if you had a $500,000 bottle of wine, that's where it would be. Sure, yeah, down in the basement. I would just be so scared of somebody breaking into my house and taking it. I would, it would be like hidden. Like it would be like mixed in with like the paint thinners and stuff. Cause I'd want it to like blend in. You would probably do something similar to what I do all the time. There's currently six or eight things that I own that kind of mean something to me that I have no idea where they are because I hide them. Because I'm now 38 and not 28, I can't remember anything about anything. And all of a sudden they're just gone. And you know, and then they turn up years and years later. If you were at a dinner, and then you saw, I don't know, say Rusty Staub at the dinner, would you feel compelled to go home, retrieve the bottle of wine, and start showing it around? 
Not in like some bulletproof plexiglass case, just walking around with it. You gotta do something with it. You can't just keep it in the basement. Like the whole purpose of it is to like show off, right? Here's a good one for you. Okay. La Rev was a Picasso 1932 portrait of his mistress. Uh-huh. And it was owned by Steve Wynn, who's the casino the guy. casino guy, yeah. Yeah. So he was getting ready to sell it like 10 years ago. A friend of his had wanted it for years, worked it out. The guy agreed that he was going to buy it for $139 million. Just a friend, a friend of his. So they had everything worked out, but they just had to hand the painting off. So he had some friends over from New York. Ah, uh, this never ends well. No. And he has an eye disease that affects his peripheral vision. So as he's got the friends over, he's they're talking about Picasso. And he says, hey, why don't you come take a look at mine? I'm getting ready to sell it. So they say, sure. So they go to look at his Picasso. He's talking I'm to already him. laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you know, f- flinging his arms in the air. Doesn't realize how close he's gotten to the painting. Elbows the painting, rips a hole right down the middle. Hundred thirty nine million. Right, but at least it was his. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and you know, like even though that's a huge blow to his wealth, he, the guy still had hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. Yeah, but like, but like that's not, but that's not the point. If you dropped a six pack, you'd be furious. Yeah. You'd be like, oh my God, I just blew, you know, $15. Right, but then I could go to the store and buy another. Right, but it wouldn't stop you from being furious. Well, imagine if you like broke, this is probably like breaking your computer by dropping it on the floor. Then you're really going to be mad. If Suge Knight was at your house and you had a Picasso worth $139 million, would you show it to him? God, no. (laughs) I mean, unless he told me I had to. What if he said, you got any Picassos in here? (laughs) And you were like, no. And he's like, I want you to think real carefully before you answer me. I said, do you have any priceless Picassos in here? Right. And then I'd be like, yeah. And you'd be like, well, there's one. (laughs) 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 But listen, it's appraised at like $139 million. So I really don't want you or your buddies like messing around with it. Yeah. If you could just kind of keep your... Don't touch it, okay? It's The wife, wife and I are going out to this nice Italian place. If you could do me the favor of while you're babysitting for my son, just kind of stay out of the Picasso room. Listen, just between you and I, <laughs> just, can we just keep this Picasso a secret between you and I and you don't tell your crew? Right. I don't want the whole crew up here smoking blunts. And admiring the artwork. And <laughs> admiring the artwork while I'm out of the house. If they want to come upstairs after we get back from dinner, my lovely wife and I, and you're done babysitting, then something, uh, an accord can probably be reached. We can negotiate. You know, right. we're, we're each negotiating from a place of power. Right. But while I'm gone, just keep your crew away from the Picasso. And keep the music down, too. <laughs> yeah. Please. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need the Homeowners Association down, you know, all up in my business. I want this party that you're having at my house while I'm gone while you're watching my kid to be low-key. Right. And I would like the Picasso to be there when I get back. Yeah. You understand, Chug. Right? You understand. Right? Right? You, you, you nudge him in the ribs playfully. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you get where I'm coming from. Old house, old sport. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? I don't know. I'm still stuck on confiding in Chug Knight that you have just one Picasso. You sure you don't have any Picassos? Well, just the one. <laughs> now that you mention it. 
Now that you mentioned there is there is that one in the guest room. Now, now that I've had time to process the question. Yeah, yeah actually, now that you mention it, yes, yes, I do. I do have one. I haven't been in the guest room in so long. I it completely, I completely forgot we had it. We'll try to get this thing out relatively soon. I'm on spring break, which which sounds like it would it would lend itself to having tons of time. It has not really worked out that way so far. You have spring break? Well, my wife and, and kid are on spring break, and so I'm at least sharing the child raising for a week. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we can knock some out during the actual like daytime. I would actually really love to do that. So let me see how long the editing takes and we'll start uh, researching for next week ASAP. And think about pro wrestling too. I'd like to do that one soon. All right, cool. All right, man. All right. This is Nat the Truth Jones. Uh, this is Johnny Good Times. And we'll see you guys later. Take a look. Like.